chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. This is kind of an interesting chapter. This really chapter is a setup to what we're going to go through next week in Daniel chapter 11. And this is the preamble to get to that point of the prophecy that's coming. And the topics we're going to cover here tonight cover the full 21 verses. So it's really difficult to read a few verses, talk about it, read a few verses, talk about it. We'll try to do that, but really we're going to be jumping around here a lot and we're going to cover the entire chapter. So let's just jump right into this to get the background of what God has to say. And this can be in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 10. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I appoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted my eyes, and behold, and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body body was like barrel, his face like the parents of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze and color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a mall. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I returned, excuse me, retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Now, quite the introduction here to what's going on. Daniel has been praying about something, and he's receiving a vision of what's going to be going on. Now, this is something pretty big. It's actually something huge. This is probably the longest vision prophecy we get, and I would dare say the most detailed one we're going to get. And as we go through Daniel chapter 11 next week, I've had the privilege of teaching through Daniel chapter 11 a couple of times. And every time I teach through Daniel chapter 11, it always reminds me of two things. Number one, how amazing God is because of the prophecy, how detailed it is. And number two, how difficult Daniel chapter 11 is because there's so much info in there. So I'm overwhelmed just teaching through Daniel 11. Daniel had to actually live the vision of Daniel chapter 11. This overwhelmed him. Now, I have to share a couple things here with you. Daniel is completely and utterly overwhelmed by what God's going to show him. When God reveals something to us, the first thing we see is it's overwhelming. Now, this seems to be lost in present-day 21st century church. I was watching a Christian station the other day on TV, and they had a woman on there, and she was talking some book that she wrote. And so this book that she wrote, Jesus appeared to her, I think it was for 30 days in a row, and revealed stuff to her. And she was just so matter-of-fact. Jesus would come, and he'd come at the same time every night, and they would just talk and do things like that. I'm telling you right now, if Jesus came to me in the middle of the night, I don't know what I would do. It would completely and utterly freak me out. And if you look through the Bible, when God reveals something big to one of his servants, it overwhelms them. It overwhelms Daniel to the point that he literally is hit flat on the ground, to the point that the body just even tries to get up on his hands and knees. He's completely overwhelmed by what the Lord is doing here and by what it is. Look at verse 8 real quick. I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me. Nothing. We can jump ahead a little bit. Look at verse 11. As he was speaking to him, he's trembling in verse 11. And jump ahead to verses 16 and 17. Daniel is saying, I can't speak. Look at what he says. My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I retain no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. He's completely and utterly overwhelmed. Now the reason I bring this up is when God reveals things to you, it sometimes is really overwhelming. It really is. And we have to realize when those things are being revealed, those are the deep things. That passage I put down there in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 16, you don't need to turn there, but just some of the highlights of that is this, is when God is revealing things to us, it's basically saying we as the fleshly people, we just can't grasp it. We can't get it. It says that God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep 
things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Then it goes on to say, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're not spiritually discerned. Have you ever talked to someone who doesn't know the Lord and you try to share with them things about the Lord? They don't get it. They think you sound completely and utterly crazy. Because why? You're trying to speak spiritual things to someone who's only receiving natural things. I can remember when I first got saved, it just blew me away of why no one would want to accept Christ. And so when I would go up to talk to people and they would not want to know the Lord, I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't understand why would they not receive it. Well, their mind was natural. They weren't thinking about the things of God. They were only thinking about the things of themselves. So when you go up to someone and you can tell... When you go up to someone who's really not there with the Lord and you start talking about the Lord and, hey, I'll pray for you. Or you know what? The Bible says that in this, that God, Jesus gives you peace. You know, you throw all the scriptures at them. They just don't get it. It's just like blank staring eyes at you. They just don't get it. The best description I've ever heard is a pastor said, trying to explain the things of God to someone who's not saved is like trying to explain colors to someone who's been blind to birth. It just doesn't make any sense to them. And that's exactly what happens, is that you try to explain these things, and they just don't get it. You probably know someone who's not real strong in the Lord, or you know someone who's not saved, and as you start talking about God to them, you just see that glazed over look. You just don't get it. It is overwhelming when the Lord reveals things. And the only way we as believers can grasp it is the Holy Spirit living inside of us takes that information, grasps that information, and then puts it in a very readable, understandable format for us to grasp. What you have here in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is given this amazing vision that is completely and utterly overwhelming. Physically, he can't handle it. But spiritually, the Lord arrives to help give him understanding. Now, the next thing you see is it's personal. Look at verse 7. Daniel alone saw the vision. Look at verse 11 right here. O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. It's for him, purposely. And then verse 14, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to you. Sometimes the Lord reveals things, and it's just for you. Just for you and no one else. I don't know how many times that I've been disappointed that I've read a scripture that I think is utterly amazing, life-changing. And I go up to someone, be it Dawn or Rich or someone else, and say, you've got to hear this scripture. So I read it to them. I said, isn't that amazing? They say, yeah, it's nice. What do you mean, yeah, it's nice? Obviously, you're an unsaved heathen. You don't get it. This is an amazing scripture. Look how neat this is. And then I realized, it's just for me. There used to be a guy that used to come out here to church, and he would come up to me, and just out of the blue, he would come up and say, Ezekiel 38.11. That's all he would say. Ezekiel 38.11 or something like that. So I would go read Ezekiel 38.11 and I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. Run into him the next service. He would say, what do you think of that verse? And I'm like, I don't get it. Obviously it touched you. It didn't, it didn't touch me. And then he would be bothered. Obviously you don't get it. So I reached a point where I just kept telling him, amazing. amazing. I, just, I didn't know what else to say. It made the conversation go better. Sometimes the Lord reveals things to you. I had a guy call me up one time. The Lord really showed him something and he was disappointed. Spoke to his wife about it, he spoke to his friends about it, he spoke to everybody about it, and they just didn't share the same excitement. And then I remember telling him, I said, do you ever think that the Lord just gave it to you? That's just between you and him. I don't like to use this phrase, but it's just a little inside joke between you and God, where he revealed something to you that blessed you. You may have read a devotional, and it really blessed you, but when you share that devotional with someone else, they're like, yeah, that's okay. This vision is for Daniel. It's for Daniel. There may be something in your life that you read, and you say, that was just for me. Don't be disappointed when no one else gets it. Don't be upset when no one else shares the same excitement that you have. Don't be bothered when no one else jumps up and down and says, that's amazing. Just be blessed that the Lord revealed something to you and enjoy it. Daniel, it was given to him and to him alone. 
problem was it was so utterly overwhelming to Daniel, he couldn't handle it. Verse 10, the hand had to touch him to help him up. Verse 16, that he had to have his hand and his lips touched to be able to speak. And then if you see in verse 18, the hand had to touch him again to strengthen him. See, it has to be the Lord. Turn to John 14. Every now and then I try to find a verse that talks about a certain topic. And it's not that I can't find a verse. The problem is I find too many verses. I tried to find a verse that talks about God strengthening us and helping us. And it's completely overwhelming how many verses there are. John 14. So I just picked a whole chapter that deals with God strengthening us and helping us. And this is exactly what you see here in John 14, is how God helps us. And what you see here in John 14, God strengthens us in two ways. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. First thing. Who helps you? Jesus. He's the one that gives you strength. Stay in John 14. Jump ahead, if you will, to John 14, 27. I, this is probably the verse I quote more than any other verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you're going through a difficult time tonight, just focus on John 14, 27 and John 14, 1. Jesus says, I'm there for you. I'm the strength you need. I'm the peace you need. And note what it says in verse 27. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Daniel could have went and talked to all his friends. I saw this amazing vision. What do you think? They would have no idea. Daniel could have said, guys, I am so weak and overwhelmed by what God's doing. I need help. They wouldn't have been able. If you try to go to the world, verse 27, for strength, comfort, and peace, you will be sorely disappointed. How many times have you been bothered in life? Because you had a bad day, you had a rough time, and so you called up your best friend, you called up your spouse, you called up your mom, you called up your dad, you called up your brother, you called up your sister, your friend. You called them up, and guess what? They didn't get it. They didn't give you the comfort that you need. They didn't give you the answers you were looking for. They did not give you, verse 27, peace. And that's where Jesus says, well, why didn't you just come to me? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm not saying don't use the relationships in your life for strength and comfort. I'm appreciative of when Dawn tries to help. I'm appreciative of brothers and sisters in the Lord that try to give comfort and peace. But utterly, what it comes down to is it's Jesus and me, and Jesus is what gives me peace in life. That's what it is, John 14, 27. So the first thing that God helps us with is him, Jesus himself. Now, jump ahead, if you will, look to verse 16 of John 14. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. God himself, in the form of the Holy Spirit, lives inside us. That's amazing. We were doing devotions last night. And we were actually in John 14, and we were talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And we got on the subject with the boys of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. I tell you, if you want to have a good discussion, a 7-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old together and talk about God living inside of them. They don't know how to handle it. So they were getting worked up. They were getting bothered. How does God live inside of us? How does he come in? So I finally said this, for you that have ever seen the movie, I said he just teleports in like Nightcrawler does in X-Men. That's what I said. He just teleports in. God just comes in. That's what he does. So... He's in there. God himself lives inside of you, verses 16 and 17. So whatever you're facing, whatever problem you're in, 
God is there to help you. Now, I know we all know this, but when you're going through the middle of a storm, you've got to remember this. You've got to remember John 14.1. You've got to remember John 14.27, that Jesus gives peace and takes the trouble out of your heart. You've got to remember John 14.16 and 17, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he helps you. He's actually called the helper. That's what happens. I don't know how many times people contact me and they feel utterly alone. But you can't be alone. God's with you. Now generally they say, well, I know God's with him, but I need somebody. No, you got God. He's the helper. He's the one that's come. And he lives inside of you. And what an amazing thing. Jump ahead one more verse here in John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things I said to you. And what's the exact next verse? Verse 27, peace I leave. The Holy Spirit's job is to constantly remind you of the peace that Christ gives. That's the way it works. So, when you're overwhelmed in life, anytime you're with the Lord, it's going to be a little overwhelming. Because you're dealing with spiritual things and we're fleshly people. We're dealing with the eternity of heaven and hell. That's overwhelming to us. It's going to be personal. There's going to be things that only you struggle with. There's going to be only things that only you get. And God says it's just for you and me. And then what's going to happen here at the end is you need the help of the Lord to understand these things, to grasp these things. And that's exactly what Daniel needed. He needed God's help there to see what was going on. Now, with that being said, before we get to the other side of the sheet, anybody got any quick questions, comments of anything we've covered thus far? Okay. Now, if you notice in verse 6, the appearance of the person that came sure looks a lot like Jesus. If you've ever studied it out, in Revelation 1, Revelation 1 and Daniel 10.6 really seem to be talking a lot about Jesus. The problem with that is, verse 10, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms excuse me, of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. Now while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, I have come because of your words. Now, isn't that neat? If you're looking on the back of your sheet, look at the first verse point we have there. As soon as you pray, God hears. I, I love that. As soon as you pray, God hears you. As soon as you pray. That, that to me is just utterly amazing. Now, that encourages some of you, and for some of you that ticks you off. Because if God hears you as soon as you pray... Why is it taking him so long to answer? Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. That's got to be one of the funkiest verses in the entire Bible. So let's just get this scene set. Daniel's praying. This vision is given to him. It's overwhelming. God, help me to understand this vision. Three weeks pass. Finally, the angel shows up. Hey, Daniel, I was sent by God as soon as you prayed to come reveal the vision to you. It, it took me three weeks to get here because on the way, see, this, this demonic prince of Persia, he stopped me, and we had this little battle to try to get the answer to you. I couldn't get through him. Michael, I had to call back up. He came and helped me. It took us a while. We finally fought through, and now I can give you the answer. Yeah, and that's all biblical, too. That's kind of weird. That's really kind of strange. Now, the reason I stop at this point, because if we believe verse 6 is Jesus, verse 13 creates a little bit of a theology problem. Jesus wasn't strong enough to take on this prince of Persia to take care of him. So you have to make a decision right here. Verse 6 is either Jesus 
And then verse 10, the hand that touches them, is actually a separate angel that came. And it's quite possible when you read through Daniel chapter 10. It's quite possible that there was the Jesus appearing to Daniel, but that there was also another messenger angel that came. And that fits in pretty good as you read through it. Or what it is is really just an appearance there of an angel in verse 6 that's just a heavenly description of what that angel looks like. Because we know in verse 13 Jesus would not have a problem himself being God himself of battling through some type of demonic force. Now, if some of you don't like to believe in verse 13 that that's some demonic force, as I've heard some pastors try to teach, that the reason it took 21 days to get this answer is because the prince of the kingdom of Persia is literally a man. And what was happening is God was trying to move in this man's life to say, hey, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. And this man was battling it. And so for three weeks God worked on him to get through to it and they called Michael in to kind of help nudge him along. The problem with that interpretation is you really don't see that in the Bible. You don't really see angels coming and knocking on your heart saying, hey, do what God wants you to do here. Really what this kind of looks like is jump ahead to the bottom of your sheets, please. There's a spiritual realm that we do not see nor do we fully understand. It goes back to what we said in our Corinthians verse. We are fleshly and they're spiritual. Fleshly man has a hard time with spiritual. I, I, look there. One of my favorite verses about this is 2 Kings 6.17. What happens is there's this army coming to take out Elisha. And Elisha's servant's freaking out. And Elisha's just standing there calm. And the servant's getting worked up. What are we going to do? This army's going to come take us. And Elisha finally says, Lord, open his eyes. And you can see here in verse 17 what happens. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There was this whole spiritual realm going on this the servant didn't see. There's a spiritual realm around us that we don't get. Ephesians 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I don't know how many times I've told people, listen, that, that co-worker, that, that spouse, that person you're battling, they're not the enemy. The enemy may be using that person, but it's not them. There's a spiritual battle going on. And we get little glimpses of it. And in Zechariah chapter 3, God wants to use Zechariah, but the Bible says Satan's standing right beside him. That's kind of weird when you stop and you think about that. Job 1, if you've ever studied the book of Job, God and Satan are up in heaven having this little competition over Job. This is kind of interesting. In Jude 1, Satan and Michael battle for the body of Moses. Now these are all interesting scriptures. These are tiny little glimpses that we get into a spiritual realm that we don't get a chance to see, nor do we fully understand because we're fleshly people. And to be quite honest with you, I'm kind of glad I don't see it. I don't want to walk around seeing this stuff all the time. I know how the system works. There's a God in heaven who sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to die on the cross for my sins. And when I believe in that death and sacrifice, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And that's all I need to know. The Holy Spirit inside of me is the one that does the communicating to God the Father up in heaven. Yes, there's this whole spiritual realm around us that I don't see nor understand. And the Holy Spirit takes care of it. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Okay, well, who's in me? The Holy Spirit. Who's in the world? The enemy. Satan and the demons. I don't have to worry about that. I'm born again and saved in Christ. I firmly believe the Holy Spirit living inside of me is able to take care of me. But what we can piece together here is that God sent this answer through this angel in verse 13, this demonic force in verse 13. They battled. They battled. And as they battled, this angelic force needed help, so Michael came, archangel, and helped them through it. Once again, that's not a strange thought. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that there's going to be a war going on up in heaven. Eventually, Satan's going to be kicked out with all the fallen angels. But there's this spiritual realm, this spiritual war that's going on. And what happens is this angel appears to Daniel and said, Hey, we sent an answer. As soon as you prayed, this took a few weeks for the answer to get to you. Which leads us to look at the bottom of the sheet here. 
Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks will be opened. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Are you praying about something and the answer doesn't come quickly? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Now, I don't want to add to the Bible because I don't know the answer to this question myself, but I'm going to throw it out there. It took 21 days for the answer to get to Daniel. What would have happened if day 16 Daniel got frustrated and stopped? Would, would, would the messenger said, I guess Daniel doesn't want the answer anymore. I'm going to turn around and head back home to heaven. And Daniel would have said, see, nothing ever happened. Was part of the reason why the messenger kept coming is because Daniel kept seeking, kept asking, and kept knocking. I've shared this story with you before that... Um, Mount, uh, not uh, Mount, what's the tallest mountain in the world? Mount Everest, thank you. That when they were trying to uh, climb Mount Everest, that actually there was somebody who got there before the first man to supposedly get there. But if you've ever heard the story before, he got within about 40 foot of the top, got discouraged, and turned around and came back. And the reason he got discouraged is the storms are going on, the blizzard was going on, etc. And he didn't realize how close he was to the top. He got discouraged, and he turned around and came back. And we use that example a lot in spiritual thing. I wonder how many times have you got within 40 foot of answered prayer, and we got discouraged, and we just gave up. This is ridiculous. I prayed for salvation for him for years. Obviously, it's not going to happen. Lord, I'm done. Lord, I, I prayed for that for. A, a job, Lord. I prayed for a healing in this relationship, Lord. I prayed for this relate. I prayed for this, Lord, for a long time. You're obviously not hearing me. I'm just giving up. I'm no longer seeking. I'm no longer asking. I'm no longer knocking. I'm and sometimes I wonder, was the answer literally just a day away? And now we just quit. With Daniel, he was faithful for three weeks to say, I'm going to keep praying about this, keep praying about this. And he's given a glimpse of what's going on behind the scenes. Never would have saw. What an amazing picture this. What an amazing picture. Now it's already eight o'clock. We got some other stuff we didn't get to. We'll have to kind of pick some of this up here next week. But I want to stop because obviously once you start getting into spiritual realm and you start getting into angels and demons and principalities and powers and all that other type of stuff, it can lead to sometimes some, some questions and some points. Has anybody got any quick uh, questions, comments about this here before we uh, go ahead and close up with the word of prayer? I feel like we're kind of cutting it short here to get some of the stuff. No. Either you guys want to go home or you guys totally got it. And I think you just want to go home. So with that being said... Let's just have a word of prayer here. Uh, Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful in prayer. Um, Lord, help us to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Help us not to give. And Lord, you, you said just to be faithful and that when, you're, when we're faithful, you will answer. And Lord, in our flesh, we pray that you answer quickly. Lord, when you tarry and you have your reasons for waiting, Lord, help us to realize that you did hear our prayer right away and you're not excited. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your seeking. Lord, help us to, when we get overwhelmed with the things in life, help us to remember you are there. You are our comfort, you are our peace, and you have given us the Holy Spirit to bring that to our remembrance. To be Thank you for that. And for those that are struggling, I pray that you be with them, uplift them, encourage them always. Us up Don't forget the uh, last day to sign up there for the potluck if you're interested. And you guys have a good week, and God bless.